Hi everyone and welcome to the News Agent Podcast. I'm Susie Lysett, Senior Content Executive here at Goodlord and this episode is the recording of our webinar on the topic of how to run and retain a great team in a challenging market. John Paul, CEO at the Castle Dean Group, joined the session to share some insights from his own experience on how to hire and retain the best team. He also shares tips on how you can help keep your team motivated and engaged. Plus, he talks through why you should be rethinking your business plan in 2022 to help boost your agency success. Now, the webinar itself is CPD accredited, so to get your certificate of attendance for that, you can still register for the on-demand version of the webinar. You'll find that link in the show notes, along with some other resources that you might find useful on this podcast topic. So, without further ado, let's get started. Good morning to everyone attending today's webinar. Thank you for making the time. Uh, my name is Costas Frangescu. I am the Director of Sales here at Goodlord. Uh, today's webinar will be uh, around the topic of how to run uh, a great team. Uh, I'm very privileged to be joined, uh, co-hosted by, with John Paul uh, from Castle Dean Group, uh, who will be joining us in just a second. Um, for those of you who aren't aware of uh, Good Lord, uh, firstly, where have you been? Uh, but secondly, uh, Good Lord is an award-winning uh, software and services provider to the lettings industry. Um, if you were to ask our customers what we do, uh, well, we save them time, we can save them weeks or even months within their business on, on admin uh, that they need to process their, their lets all the way through. Uh, in, turn, in, in addition to that, um, we help agents uh, reduce uh, costs within their business by at the same time boosting revenue and profits. And last of all, uh, one thing we're very proud of is obviously keeping keeping the industry compliant uh, from that perspective also. Um, in terms of uh, where we stand out in the market, uh, we are uh, the only fully say fully integrated uh, supplier in the market today um, because everything is built through one platform, one supplier. Uh, and actually what we can do is negate the need to have up to nine suppliers by supplying you with your terms of business, contracts, signatures, referencing, utilities, uh, deposits, collections, money collections, and even rent collection is something we've uh, released uh, uh, recently as well. So plenty of services there. If something that you are interested in, please, please, please uh, reach out to us uh, for an obligation conversation. More than happy to talk you through how we may be able to support your business. Um, so right now, I'd like to introduce uh, John Paul. John Paul, thank you for joining us today and agree to be Hi. joint co-host. Hi, Costas. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much, sir. How are you today? Good, very good. The sun is shining in the northeast, so that's uh, once a year. We're happy. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so, Paul, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself for those that uh, haven't met you previously? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm John Paul. I'm CEO of uh, the Castledean Group, and we are a 12-branch network of agencies up in the northeast of England. Um, we manage around over 2,000 houses. We'll sell about 900 or 1,000 houses a year. Um and yeah, we've we've got them as high up as Northumberland, a couple in County Durham, and then um, we've just been acquiring them in uh, North Yorkshire as well. Fantastic. Great. Uh, and obviously, I, I know obviously the topic today is obviously around building great teams and something that you have done and even won awards uh, from, from that perspective as well. So it's really great to have you on uh, sharing your, your knowledge uh, and your story as well. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Great. So, uh, so what we'll be covering today... Uh, so once again, topic today is uh, how to run and retain a great team in a challenging market. Uh, just to highlight for those of you uh, that are looking for a CPD accreditation, um, all this webinar, as with our previous webinars, if you want to go on to goodlord.co uh, and look at previous webinars, uh, is CPD accredited. Um, in terms of the webinar as well, we will be taking questions throughout the webinar. Um, what we will make sure is we will leave enough time at the end to try and answer as many of those questions at the end as possible. But please, any questions that come up, uh, please stick them in the Q&A at the bottom of your screens, uh, and we'll do our best to try and uh, facilitate as many as we can at the end. Uh, but in terms of what, what we'll be covering ourselves today, uh, firstly, we'll be looking at uh, creating a successful team um, and what that looks like, where that starts, uh, and where that continues, um, how to retain staff. So I think one of the challenges I'm hearing definitely from agencies, uh, in fact, all businesses, not necessarily our industry in the market at the moment, is uh, retention of staff is one of the biggest challenges uh, alongside obviously trying to find new staff as well. Uh, it's definitely definitely for our business also. So uh, it'd be great to part on, on that session. Uh, and then uh, to finish off, uh, obviously, uh, lean on John Paul a little bit more in terms of a business plan for 2022. Um, how should agents be uh, looking into uh, 2022 uh, in 
terms of having a successful year uh, and onwards. So uh, so to kick us off then, uh, as we said, we're going to talk about creating a successful team. Um, As with anything, we're in the property industry. It starts with solid foundations. Uh, Nice leading for that one. Um, So I didn't practice that, but there you go. Uh, But yeah, John, uh, talk talk us through from from your perspective in terms of the business today. But if you were starting a a new business again, um, you know, what would you be looking for from from a foundations point of view? Great. Thanks, Costas. So the first thing I would be looking at would be uh, looking at the values of the business. So in order for people to buy into a company and have that strong alignment with with you and your company, you need to stand for something. Um, The best businesses have that that vision, they have that mission statement, they have those those values that they recruit on. They manage their team and they lead their team based on values. So, for example, our values in Castledean are be better. You know, be a better employee, give a better service, together we are better. We're not too concerned about where you are when you first join us, but so long as every single day you incrementally improve yourself um, and then in a year's time you can look back and you can see how far you've come. So those are our values. So values are incredibly important. They've got to be leader-led. They've got to come from the business owner. You can't expect the team to come up with them because it's 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 got to be from the top down and you recruit on values. If somebody doesn't have the same values as you, we, they don't get a look in doesn't mean that it's a it's an absolute choice either they're very good at the job or they've got values but if, if they've got a cv 20 years in the industry etc cetera, etc cetera, and they don't have our values they're not they're not getting employed because people with the same values will walk over hot coals they'll crawl over broken glass they'll do their very best for you and for the client and ultimately if you've got a team of 10 15 20 people all you know aligned with your values it's it's a pretty powerful thing yeah um, i think so I definitely agree with that. And I think, I think the, the, the important thing to say as well is just because somebody doesn't uh, align with your company values, that doesn't mean they're not great people. It just means that for Absolutely. them to be successful and for yeah. them to be great, their place may be somewhere else. So it works on, on both sides. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's a bit like relationships. You know, we are not to, we're not together with the same first ever partner we had when we were like, you know, 10, 11, 12, and you're holding hands in the playground or whatever, because you grow apart, you naturally, things change. And that's completely fine. It's not a case of we're right, you're wrong. It's just they are are, are misaligned. Um, what, what it allows you to do is pick the right people who who have the same vision and values as you, and it just makes for a, a, such a powerful business. You know, you can trust is there, loyalty is there. Um, and we're finding more and more, we're picking people outside the industry who have our same values, um, so not 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 just estate agents or letting agents are picking call center operatives, people have worked in admin, people worked in warehouses, wherever, because the values are, are aligned. Um, the, ne- the next thing is um, you've got to have the mission statement. So mission statement is where you're heading as a business. That's how you get people sort of motivated. And I know we're going to talk about motivation. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the mission statement of where you're going to go, your values is how you're going to get there. So effectively, it's a map. You've got that end destination, and the, the values is the journey that's going to allow you to get to the to the end point, i.e., the mission statement. And from a leadership point of view, having a really strong mission allows you to cut off the noise, to stop thinking about, oh, I'm going to get into commercial, oh, I'm going to get into HMO management, oh, I'm, I'm going to start selling mansions. You know, if your mission statement is to be the best in your particular area, selling two to three residential properties to to families, then that's your niche, that's your mission statement. And just work towards being the best that you can be at that particular um, point. Okay. So, so we've got so foundations-wise, uh, you know, a solid start. Um, but then, how do you how do you breed how do you build a positive culture though from that perspective? Because obviously, you, yeah, you, you've got different people doing different roles. They're targeted in different ways. They 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 yeah. earn they earn in different ways, and that can be really yeah. difficult in terms of bringing a team together when uh, when their traits are so different. Yeah, so, so the values, if you've recruited on values, and all it all sort of ties in. So if you've got everybody with the same values, the team culture is you're off to a cracking start. When culture is a negative or toxic is when you get people backstabbing each other, people having different aspirations, people having different um, versions of what they feel, how, how the business should run, people you know having digs about people and, and the, the management and the, the leadership team. So when you've got people who are all aligned, and I know it sounds very corporate and it's very American and wish-washy, but trust me, this stuff works. It's what we do in our business. It's what I coach other estate agents and letting agents. This stuff works. And it's slowly building up a culture. Um, you know, attitudes are contagious. Just make sure yours is worth catching. And it all starts with um, the foundations and the leadership team. 
if the leadership team exemplify the values and mm. exemplify the mission statement and, and the customer service charter and all this sort of stuff, then your team will copy that. It's a little bit like if, um, you know, as a parent, if you swear in front of your kids, don't be surprised if they drop the F-bomb when they're six and seven-year-old. So if you lead by example as a leader and a manager, the team culture sort of looks after itself. But the point with team culture is, is you have to absolutely nip it in the bud, toxicity. If there's anybody that doesn't share the same team culture, that has to be nipped in the bud. There was a really good um, Harvard business study, oh, must be about eight, nine years ago now, where they, they asked about 10,000, it was over in America, so it must be true. So they asked about 10,000 people, if we could give you one thing that would make you better at your role, what would it be? And it was like more money, um, time off, flexi time, et- holidays, et cetera, et cetera. 65% came back and said, give me better colleagues to work with. Now that's unreal when you think about it. Just don't let the person, my colleague, not be good at the job. I want them to be aligned with me and effectively that will build a good positive team culture. So it's all about um, having those foundations in place, but also good quality management and leadership at the same time. Cool. And any other tips you would give in terms of people um, who either are, are looking to improve the structure in their business today or are looking to create a, a, you know, a, new, uh, a new way forward uh, from a culture perspective? What, what, what sort of things would you, what, what sort of the top tips you'd, you'd give them in terms of where to focus uh, yeah. the energy and time? Uh, having regular um, monthly um, appraisals with your team, one-to-ones, I think that's crucial. Um, what, what, you're, what you're seeing, by not having them, what you're seeing is, I don't feel you're important to have that one-hour protected time with me as your manager. That's unofficially what you're seeing. So having those um, one-on-one monthly appraisals with your team, and I don't call them staff, I call them the team. It was a really good phrase, unless you own Downton Abbey, they're not staff, they're a team. Um, so make sure that you, you speak to your team, you, you communicate with your team. You don't inform them. Inform them is one way, communication is two ways. Um, listen to them, make them feel special. If they've got a problem, solve it. Um, and fairness as well, fairness. And I know we're going to talk about that later on, but being managing fair, but managing um, tough and strong, um, you'll always get the respect of your team. It's when other people are treated differently and, and this person gets away with this and this person doesn't do that, but they're fine. That's when issues um, happen in a business. But nipping any toxicity and any um, issues in the bud is absolutely crucial because you thinking by letting one person get away with something, oh, it's fine, Timmy's getting away with this, but then you've got the rest of the team looking at you in a different light and it's not going to be beneficial towards the business. Cool. Um, actually, I had a question come in from from Sunil. I think it's a great question to ask now, actually, uh, which is around um, how do you find a person's values? We talked a lot about values, but how do you uncover those values? Because yeah. everybody's obviously in in interview mode, and uh, you know, and and some people are nervous at interviews, and therefore yeah. the real them can't come. It could be a great person. How, yeah. how do you how do you uncover that? So the first thing is you need to know your own, right? So you need to lock yourself in a dark room, write down twenty words or values what you think are true to you. Don't write down what you think you want people to to say about you. Write down what's true to you. If you're a single um, man or a woman and family isn't important to you, then family's not important to you. But don't feel, oh, I've got to put family because what happens if my colleagues see this and what happens if my team see that? Write down and then just narrow it down to about three, three to four to five, something like that. Any more than five is far too many. I remember there's one guy I was coaching and he had seven and I asked him the first ever session, I asked him to recall them. He got three wrong. He couldn't remember one. He got three right, I suppose. But I mean, and and I said to him, if you can't remember your values, how can your team remember their values? So you know yours is the first one. You've got to know your own values. Um, And a couple of tips is just in the interview stage. So um, feed in to the questions your values. I mean, a good interview um, technique or, or process is you ask the same questions to absolutely everybody. You don't deviate from script. You might a little bit just if they've said something interesting and you want to probe and probe them a little bit. But ultimately, you need the same questions and you score them. So then upon later on, on balance, you can you can have a look and you can score them fairly and equally. But for example, I would say things like, hi, Costas, thanks for coming in. Um, uh, can you tell me something where you wanted to do something, um, but that particular avenue was blocked, but you wanted to be better? How did you go away and do that? So depending on what your values are, and you sneak them into the to the questions, it's not going to work, right? But this is why you've got three-month probations 
in any employment to say straight away, are their values aligned with us? And very quickly, you can normally see within the first couple of weeks whether the values are aligned. Do they stay back late? Do they, do they ask really good questions? Do they go the extra mile for the customer and the client? Do they fit in with the team culture? And, and what's the personality like? You can find out in a couple of weeks, sometimes days, if they're going to be a right fit. So we talked a bit about individuals, obviously creating a successful team. Um, one of the things that you know I've learned over the years, and I've had to learn this, but uh, hopefully I'm in a good, better place now, is really understanding your existing team, understanding um, what 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 skills, uh, values, benefits uh, you have within the team, um, looking for those, but also seeing where the gaps are. You know, you can have a great a team of great people, but, um, you know, when, when we're looking to recruit, we want to bring somebody into a team that lifts the whole team and yeah. fills certain gaps. Just and it, it makes everybody stronger. So you're not benefiting from one new employee. You're benefiting from one new, new, new team player with, and, and uplifting the other five or six within the team. Absolutely. Um, so when you do, when you recruit, you should always have a couple of organisational charts on the go. You've got your current one, and then you've got your aspirational one, where you want your business to be. And we rag it, red, amber, green. Green is the absolutely great. There's no problems. Amber, they've got a few issues, but with a little bit of training, we can get them better. Red, they're, they're, a, they're a weak point in the business, and we either manage them to get better, toughly, uh, tough, or, or we need to manage them performance management of the business. But when you can see the gaps in the business, then you can see what you're recruiting for. Also, you want to be recruiting for things like, you know, if I had a very, very dull, quiet office where it was quite, you know, mundane, um, you know, maybe I want and there's two people equal, but one was a little bit more chatty. I'd probably go for that person to try and lift the energy up in the office. So it's really important to know what you're recruiting as well. Not just I need a sales negotiator. I need a portfolio manager. I want a manager. You're looking for the type of person as well as their values. Great. That's really good. Right. Let's let's move on to our, our second part of our presentation uh, today. So uh, retaining staff. So, yes, yeah, so as I said earlier, um, uh, you know, retaining staff at the moment seems to be a, a challenge for most businesses, not just in the in the property industry, not just uh, agents uh, or suppliers. Um, it's it's throughout. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously that starts from the first day they join the business, um, not not when not when things are, start getting difficult. So, um, so t- talk us through from your perspective. How do you how do you keep people motivated within the business? Good. So the first two are sort of linked. So I'll, I'll probably mm-hmm. like segue into the second one. So you've got to look at what motivates people, right? And this is controversial. It's not money. It's never money, mm-hmm. right? Money is what is called as an enabler to give you the things that really want. Nobody sits at home with hundreds of thousands of pounds of cash lying in a bed saying, this is why I get up for for work in the morning. It doesn't happen. It may be to spend more time with your family. Maybe it's to go on holidays. It's to get the nice car. So it's an enabler to allow you to have the things that you want, which truly motivate you. If you also look at sort of the top motivational theorists and behavioral scientists on on the planet, right? Maslow, you'll have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but you've got a guy called Aldifer, Hertzberg, McClellan. They all talk about, very similar things that what truly motivates people. So Maslow called it self-actualization, achievement, attainment, ambition, right? It's aiming for things and, and attaining them, which is goals, right? And this is where the, a good training and development program will, will come in. So it's all about setting short, medium, and long-term goals and giving people the resources and the training to achieve those goals, you know yourself, going to the gym is quite boring if you haven't got a goal. But if you're getting fit for the rugby season or just to lose four pounds till you go on holiday, that's what motivates you. It, it's, it's, it's actually common sense when you think about it, what, what truly motivates people. It's those, those little goals. So short term is anything under a month. Uh, medium term is up between a month and three months. And long term is probably three months to a year. So if you want to, example, t- take your NFOP, your ALA exams, your level three, that would be a long-term goal. A medium-term goal might be if you're a sales manager, you might want to increase your conversion from valuation to listing from 50% to 60%. You're not going to do that overnight, so it needs to be at least three to four months. And um, a, a short-term goal might be you want to increase um, your valuations this month from, say, you did 20, you want to get 22, what, whatever it is. By having those short, medium, or long-term goals and being managed on them, you're more likely to achieve them because you've got something to aim for. It's it's a lot to do with proving to yourself why you want to achieve those goals. And that's what, that's, I said, that's what motivates people in the main. Okay, great. And obviously, one of the things to highlight as well is obviously, you know, these need to be individual to the individuals rather than, yes. uh, you know, a, a, a one size fits all. You know, I, I know from my career, I've had people in my team that have been exceptional that, that, that work to live. 
you know, six yeah. o'clock out the door, but they worked bloody hard for the for the eight hours during yeah. the day so they could have a great life where others live to work. Uh, yeah. And you'd be pushing you'd be pushing them out the door at 7.30 saying, go have a life. Yeah. Um, so it's really, really understanding individuals and what their individual uh, goals are uh, and uh, understanding what they what they, what is going to motivate them. And just just to add to that, cost is the previous slide about having the one to ones. You're never going to know what motivates them unless you sit down in a protected environment, protected time, and say, Costas, what do you want out of this? Where can you see yourself in a month, three months, a year's time? And so it's all about nice segue communication. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's about talking to them and it's it's having those those um, uh, regular one-to-ones on a monthly basis. And there's not many companies do it. They say they do. I mean, they call monthly one-to-ones for a reason. They're every month, not every three months. Um, but also, you know, what we call is a meeting rhythm, have set meetings at set, at set particular times and have set agendas. You know, there's no point having a meeting about a meeting to choose a toilet roll, right? It's just a waste of time. We spend more time in wasted meetings than, than ever. Um, so, you know, having, having things like a morning, our morning huddles are five to six minutes, if that. Everybody gets a minute. The manager tops and tails it a minute at the start, a minute at the end. Then, then each individual uh, negotiate whatever gets a minute. And all the sit, all they're talking about is what are you going to do today? Is there anything that's going to stop you? How did you get on yesterday? So it could be, yeah, I've got, I'm going to move Mrs. Mrs. Smith in 22 the Avenue. I'm going to do this. Um, there's nothing going to stop me. But can I get an hour off the phone? It's three or four. Great. And by the way, I've got everything I achieved yesterday. So it's very high level stuff. And um, there's a really good book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And in it, he talks about if you verbalize something, you're twice as likely not to achieve it. And the reason is you don't want to look like a so-and-so in front of your colleagues the next day when you say, I didn't actually achieve anything of that. So good communication in, in those meetings. Find your meeting rhythm. You know, So your weekly meetings, morning meetings, whatever your meeting rhythm is. But there's a really good phrase, no agenda, no attender. So unless somebody set, tells me what we're going to talk about, I'm not going to turn up. I don't want a meeting that I'm going to waste my time. Um, but anyway, sort of deviating a little bit. Communication in those meetings is imperative, coupled with your one-to-ones, with your team. And again, just a reminder of the, the mission statement and the values and the important foundations of the business. Just those little drip, drip, drip feeding with your team. Um, you'll see a massive benefit by constantly reminding of those, those foundations. And, and how do you, obviously, you know, you're the you're, you're the CEO at Castle Dean, and and yeah, that, that has to filter down throughout yeah. the throughout the business. So how do you how do you make sure that the message is 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 the same from top to bottom? Yeah, so I've got an amazing MD um, who, who's who's a far better manager than I will ever hope to be. Um, she's got patience, that's why, and empathy. Um, but we know our roles in the business. I'm the leader, visionary. I know it's a bit cliche, but, you know, I'm running 100 miles an hour. And Adele, my MD, has got the leash pulling us back. We can't do that. We can't do that. But it's a really, really good fit. So when we we talk about things and we say, well, this is the vision for the business, et cetera, et cetera, it's her role in the business to filter that down to the managers who then filter it down to the team below. So it's a very sort of triangular hierarchical um, structure in the business. And we don't jump don't get me wrong, I've got an open-door policy. People can phone me up and email me and talk to me. But if anybody's got a problem, I don't want them jumping levels. I want them to go through the correct channels. There's, there's, there's certain sorts of governance, no matter how big or small your business is. Governance is there for a reason. It works. Um, so it's a filtering down process. We have monthly management meetings. We have regular training sessions. Um, you know, And this has took a decade to get where we feel it's in the right position. This isn't like you know lockdown happened, then all of a sudden we're great communicators. We've been working on this for a decade um, but it it seems to work for us. Yeah, you, t- you touched on there. I think you, you stole one of my next question around obviously communication working both both ways. Yeah. Um, and how do you how do you ca- how do you handle communication coming coming up, um, especially where there may not be value in that in in, in some of that. Obviously, there is, there is tons of value, but there'll always be the occasion where the communication is a little bit distorted. How, how do you manage yeah. communication coming the other way? So we never say you can't talk to anybody above you. It's more like what is the what is it you want to talk to them about? Well, I've got this. I've got this issue. That right. Well, are they the right person? If they are, continue. If they're not, go to the right person. So we're very strict about who we need to speak to for for depending on on what it is. If it's feedback, great. We, we don't, we're always open to it. You know, if you can't grow if you don't get, receive that feedback and, and listen to it. 
Um, but we deal we deal a lot with facts and evidence in our in our business. So, for instance, one to ones. If you say if you say things like "I don't think you've had a good month," "I don't believe you had a good month," "I feel as though your month hasn't been productive," you're dead in the water. Mm. You need to have well the evidence shows that, you know the valuations are down this percentage that percentage. Then it's it's you can't you can't argue with facts. You can't get upset with facts. If you're upset because somebody's given a fact, then you're just upset. Move on. Next question. You know, facts don't give a about your feelings. So it's it's all about just having those 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 facts and evidence. So when you do your one to ones, when you're having probably difficult conversations, really tough conversations about performance, it's got to be and it, you've got to deliver it with emotional intelligence. It's got to be empathetic. I get that. I'm not I'm not saying that, but you know, there's only a certain way you can deliver bad news. Um, and you know, it's you're, you're hoping if you recruited well enough and people have bought into you and the business that they're going to receive it in the way that that feedback was intended. And, the, and and going back to you know what you've, what you've been saying throughout around consistent communication, yeah. clear communication as well. What you don't want is to be in a room having that conversation, and it's the first time they've heard about it, and you're and you're bringing facts in from the last three four months, uh, or talk about things that happened you know last week or even the week before. Um, it's yeah, have, having that having that touch point. Uh, you call it the one thing. Having that one thing. So that it's clear. So there's, there's no there's no surprises, shocks. Uh, than like. Funny enough, I, I always bring up um, like a, a daft joke, and we we sort we talk about that. Yeah, you've got you want the one at the month to bring up that month's performance, but that doesn't mean if they've done mm. something wrong on the second, you bring it up on the thirty first. You bring it up there and then. So just imagine having a, a, a you know a dip, an argument debate with your partner, and then all of a sudden remember in nineteen eighty two when you said this, and it's just it's never going to end well, isn't it? So you've got to you nip things in the bud there and then so it doesn't spiral out of control. But again, you can also bring it up because it forms part of how you've performed in that month. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's, it's all about good comms, yeah. we call it. Yeah, and going back to the agenda, you know, yeah. once again, it allows them to prepare for that conversation, which probably Structure. means you'll have a much, a much more valuable time together. So fantastic. Um, yeah. well, let's, let's, let's flip it from that to the positive around re- reward and recognition. Uh, it's probably one of the toughest things because you, you know, I, you know, I have, I have a team of 10 people and, uh, the percentage in terms of reward versus recognition for some is very, very different and trying to, yeah. trying to balance it for everybody and get it right can be a challenge. I think you hit the nail on the head there and all people are different. So you've got to see what do people want? So, you know, my, I had quite a, a, a sport and background as a professional sportsman for about five, six years. I wasn't bothered about rewards. I didn't give a monkeys about the trophies. I, I quite like the recognition, but the way that you used to motivate me was tell me I couldn't do something. The way I used to like Sergeant Major shout at me, do this, do this. I like that. But I, but, but one of my best pals who I was training with didn't, he liked the limelight. He liked the, the applause, the Facebook. Oh, you've won. You're brilliant. So you've got to understand your team. And this is where good management and leadership comes in. It's all about being a people person, not a people pleaser, a people person. Um, but I'll give you a couple of tips. So when you look at what motivates people, again, money isn't money's got to pay the bills. I get that, and you've got to have your commission, your bonus, whatever, whatever. But you know, we have branch of the month, we have employee of the month, we have um, prospector and um, um, manager of the month. Um, we've got annual general awards. Where we've got like a dozen awards. We've got um, uh, we give birthdays off, first day at school for your kids off, um, you, you, little things like that that we've we've we're bringing in now. Because we can't afford to give everybody 20 grand pay rises. We, we can't do that. We've got 60 staff. You know, it's ridiculous. So you've got to think outside the box at what motivates people. Um, you know, see your monthly newsletter that goes around and, we, you know, we, we highlight great performances and, um, you know, pat people on the back. People like some people. We, we've got a manager, one of our managers who's absolutely exceptional at a job, does not like open praise. Right. So we say, right, well, we're not going to open Lizzie. We're not going to praise Lizzie. But we'll do it. We'll see it to her face. You were absolutely fantastic, Lizzie. Well done. And the big smile on her face is amazing. And then we get others who say, um, since I won this award, am I going on the CEO newsletter out to the, all the branches? So, all right, yeah, all right. We'll put, I won't say her name in case she's listening. But yeah, we'll put you out there. <laughs> um, so you've got to, it, it's understanding your people and having a list of X, Y, Z number of things that you can, that are low cost, low cost to the business. Because look, time's have been great, but we don't know how long it's going to be, but also that will make a bigger impact, not just a financial impact, but a bigger sort of um, emotional impact with your team. We'll be right back after this message. Are you always worrying about compliance at your agency and just want it off your plate? 
Well, that's one of the things Good Lord's here to help you with. From sending the how to rent guide and attaching property certificates to taking the right deposit amounts and sending prescribed information, we'll help you take care of lettings compliance all in one place. Head to goodlord.co to check compliance off your to-do list. Good Lord, it's just that good. I think the the biggest takeaway throughout so far from the discussion we've had right from the beginning is really understanding the individual, really understanding and that, 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 yeah, that, that creates that solid foundation and it works its way all the way through. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely helps us with the retention side. Um, So uh, let's move on to um, the next part, which is uh, our last part for for today, which is all about the business plan. Uh, Probably the bit uh, a lot of people will be waiting for, um, obviously, you know, wanting to, build the next council dean uh so uh so yeah so talk, talk us through in terms from a business plan perspective what what should uh what should our, our fellow agents out there uh be, be be focusing on so the first thing you need to do is look at your team members and you need to build a bespoke individual learning plan right i'm sorry if any of you guys do group training sessions on arrears or group training sessions on customer service but the 1980s have called they want the training plan back um sorry <laughs> basically it's not about the group it's about the individual you can't treat everybody the same as the, you can't treat everyone the same it's just not going to work so it's not only is it better for the individual you're going to get them to where they need to be a lot quicker they're going to be more motivated i mean i don't know about you but before i got in the property um i worked for a company and the amount of training sessions i went into that wasn't relevant for me but it was a half a day sky was was unbelievable Right. So it, it was demotivating and me thinking, I've got a ton of work I need to be getting on with. I can't afford three, four hours out of the business. So, you know, individual learning plans are, are, are tailored to the individual. So somebody might be great at customer service. Some might be poor at negotiating skills. Some might be poor at customer, uh, conflict resolution. So and then you can tailor the plan to suit that individual score them on absolutely everything as well. So effectively, we've got something called the skills matrix. Right. It's, it's dead simple. Excel. And it is your job description with all the individual roles that you're meant to be carrying out, and we score them, one to four. Four is exceeding, three is performing, two is developing, one is underperforming, and we score them. And the first time we sit down with them, we score them, we get them to agree, disagree, whatever, um, but we back it up with facts and evidence. So going back to the facts don't care about your feelings, if I said, oh, Costas, I'm gonna, you, you, you've scored yourself as a performing three, on your skills matrix, I'm going to put you down as a two. I think you're developing. You're getting there, but you're not where we want to be. If you went, well, no, I think I'm really good. I'll say, well, I've listened to this call. I've read that email. We've got two complaints about you. So you're not where we need you to be because that's facts and evidence. If it's a case of, well, I just think you're not very good or I just believe you're not very good, then straight away, I'm, I'm batting against the wall and I'm, my back's up against the wall. So make sure it's based on facts and evidence when you do an ILP, individual learning plan. Um, and, um, and, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, and then that sort of fits into the training mm-hmm. development strategy um, in that uh, you need an overall strategy. So I would call the individual learning plan and your one-to-ones and your monthly meetings and training sessions, they're like the tactics, but your training development strategy needs to be sort of holistic, sort of a higher level um, thing. And that would be, um, you know, all the various things that you want to get people better. How do you want to get them better? And then that sort of like sort of cascades down um, to your team. So, for instance, obviously, caveat, you know, I'm on the property mark of um, full disclaimer, rather, I'm on the, the property mark and ALA um, board. So, you know, you want to put them through, um, you know, the level three qualifications for ROPA that, that's coming out in the next couple of well. 2028 or whatever it is. Um, So you want, that's your overall strategy. How are we going to get all our team to that level? And we're going to do that by individual learning plans, putting them on the ILA qualifications, doing this, doing this, doing this. And, you know, obviously, you know, um, one of the benefits that, that, your team, your group has is obviously, you know, at the helm, they've got someone who A, is a great trainer, but also uh, really understands, bought into and understands the values of that. Um, a lot of the conversations I have with agents is around, you know, either they don't have the time or they don't feel confident in being able to, you know, they, they know the detail, they know the answers, but they're not trainers. Um, yeah. And there's lots of trainers in the marketplace um, and it's a huge investment, not one that potentially will show immediate returns in some cases. Um, so, it, it, you know, if agents out there are thinking about putting together some kind of training plan, but not 
necessarily been able to deal with it themselves how should they approach this how should they approach you know where to look how well how to identify what mm, mm. who might be the right person within their to fit their business so a couple of things is you've got to know a lot about training right i'm not saying you have to roll it out right but you've got to understand the training because how do you know if the train is delivering good training you look at all famous uh, or successful business people, they might not be pushing the buttons on the train, but I can guarantee you Richard Branson knows a hell of a lot about Virgin Trains. Right? Alan Sugar might not be a computer programmer, but I bet you he knew a lot about Amstrad. I don't rent houses or sell houses, but I know a hell of a lot about my business. So you've got to understand, you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'll never take, I haven't got time, is a good enough excuse. I just, it's just BS, it really is. What you meant to say, what what you really mean is, I don't think it's a priority, so I'm choosing to do something else over that. That's completely fine, but let's not say the time thing is an issue. Now, the confidence thing is a real issue, and that's because of the lack of knowledge, experience, and training that you've received yourself on on how to train and develop your team. That's absolutely legitimate. But how do you do that? Well, it's the same as if I want to ride a bike. I've never ridden a bike before. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and learn myself. I'm gonna train. So again, you've got to go out and there's some real good resources online about training development strategies. Anybody wants to get in touch with me, just give us a bell. I've I've got no problem with sharing my knowledge. Um, but you know, there are some good trainers out there, some really good trainers in particular who are very good at certain areas. You need to find that in, in order to get the trainer in, you need to know what you want first. So you've got some people who are really good at prospecting. You've got some people who are really good at compliance. You've got some people who are really good at, you know, negotiating skills. But this is where your training development strategy comes in. How do you know which trainer to go for if it doesn't fit in with your overall strategy? It's the same with the organizational charts. And this is where good corporate business sense comes in. You need to have the strategy which takes time to develop before you can go out and you can recruit the people that's going to help you develop the tactics. Well, that led, led us very well in there to the recruitment strategy. Then that way you've done that. So, uh, so t- talk us through. For, you know, at the moment, say recruitment seems to be one of the biggest challenges uh, facing the street at the moment. Uh, you know, retaining people, but also bringing in bringing in new people. Uh, how's Castle Dean handling that situation? Yeah, it's tough. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's mm. not. Um, I think we. Uh, I think we're. we're, we're, we're <laughs> I don't want to jinx it because. <laughs> But I think we're all right at the minute. We've got one or two, one or two gaps. I mean, we had as, as, as high as like eight, nine at, at one point. Um, but we look out, we look from recruiting outside the industry. If you've got a good, and this is the advantage, honestly, if anybody's listening to this, if you've got a really good training and development strategy and you've got mm. training plans and one-to-ones and a good meeting rhythm, you can teach anything to anybody, right? Um, you can. T- this is the whole values thing. If they've got the same value set as you, they will work like so hard to be good at their particular role that you recruit them for, they will become capable. You will make them competent over time. But if you've got somebody with a CV who's worked in corporate for 20 years and they're, they're capable and possibly competent, but the values are completely different, it's a, it's a disaster waiting to happen. So with recruitment strategies, if you've got a good training development in place and you do all the tactics that we spoke about, you can look outside the industry because you know if you recruit people on values, they're going to work so hard to, to get up the scratch straight away. But again, this is where you need the recruit, you need the organizational chart to find out exactly what gaps you're trying to plug before you go out there. You know, we, we, we're trying to re- recruit, um, we're trying to sort of promote our culture as well. So be a little bit different. Don't just put an advert up, you know, Castledean are looking for a sales negotiator. Just don't, don't put that. Just say, you know, fully training given, great culture. I, I put I put one out there and it, it got it got some um it got quite a lot of uh, uh, sort of positive response. I put no Newcastle fans allowed, you know, because obviously I'm a I'm a Sunderland, I'm a Mackham, I'm a, you know we don't like the black and white, and and I put no 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 Newcastle fans allowed, and because um, we respect horses, because obviously the guy punched the horse years ago. We've got four or five CVs based off the back of that, and we got no. So make it different. It's got to fit your culture. Right, that that was on my personal Facebook, and everybody knows me, and it it fit it fit the culture and the corporate branding, if you like, because that's that's the way we are. Um, be different. Don't be like your competitors, where you put boring adverts out there. Um, don't scrimp and save on saving a thousand pound. You know, it's twenty five grand, and you put twenty four thousand in. Put just go for the maximum. It's it's a beauty parade, right? It's an employees market out there at the minute, yeah. and although people aren't motivated by money. It doesn't matter how good the culture is; they haven't got the time. They haven't got the opportunity to experience your amazing culture. If you're paying five, ten grand less than everybody else, they're not even going to give you a ring, 
right? Because you can't get how great your culture is across from one little advert, right? You need interviews, point interview, point interview. So we're just going in with, the, with pretty much the maximum that we can afford. Um, we're putting in, you know, high commissions, but we've worked it out with the great. We want them to hit their commissions. So if they're at the bonus, because then we're going to be doing fantastic. And then just make the advert different. Talk about if you give days off for the birthday. Talk about like, you know, barbecues for the whole company. If you send them away on retreats or whatever, talk about that to say, look, this isn't your normal estate agency or letting agency. We are different to, to everybody else. Yeah. I think the only, the only thing I would add from 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 what we're seeing as well is, you know, allocate allocate the time for your recruitment yeah. strategy allocate allocate the time to to interview review get back to people you know yeah. you say it's an employees market at the moment um and if you you know if you're not allocating the time and you're getting back to them when you find the time or you're you're, you're slotting them in in between a couple of other uh important yeah. meetings that you have um the reality is you know they might have worked for you, but you know they, they'll 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 run they'll run somewhere else. Someone else will offer them a job while you're still uh, trying to find the time to to call them back in or give them it's, a call. So uh, you know, take it seriously as you with anything else. Yeah, it's a really good point, Costas. It's it's speed to lead effectively. Just get you know, return calls, return emails, communication as quick as you can, and we get one chance to make a good first impression. So make sure it's a memorable one. If if they if you don't even have the decency to to return an email or a call, you spend two or three days subliminally or or complete consciously it's basically saying they're quite a slow buddy duddy organization they don't have me at the heart of what they should be doing they're not they're not polite it's it's all these things add up at the minute there's so much choices now for employees and not necessarily in our industry you know some of the guys that have left us have, have in fact we, we're quite proud of the fact that very few people leave us to go to other agents if they leave us it tends to be outside the industry mm-hmm. um you know, the, the pay better. One, one, one of our managers went for something like a 40% pay increase a couple of years before COVID to yeah. a steel stockholder. She's never worked in that industry. It's got no interest in metallurgy or, or steel whatsoever. But when someone's offering you that much money and you've got a young family, it's very difficult to turn that down. Yeah, I think I think that's important. You know, I think there's for some there's there's a fear of losing good people, but you know, if if you you know if if someone's worked really hard for you, they're great with your help. But you know, but they are great people. Then they go on there. They, you know, in some ways, you know, give yourself a pat on the back that you've been able to help them in their in their life. You can't hold on to all. Um, yeah. So we've got a few questions that have come in um, before before I dive into a few questions we have. Uh, John, is there anything anything we've not covered that you think? Uh, might be vital uh, or would help um, our, uh, our viewers today. Yeah, it, the, the biggest thing I, can, I can think is don't procrastinate, just just get started. Um, it's all about choice management. You know, just put the time aside to, to implement all the things we spoke about, even if it's only 20 minutes, half an hour a day. Before breakfast, after you're taking the kids to school, just on the night time when there's rubbish on TV, just make the time to do this because I get, if you do this, I can guarantee it will improve staff retention. It will make your, your business a better place to work. And then, therefore, if you've got a great team, what does that do for you? It frees your time up and it gives you less stress. And ultimately, you're going to be much happier. Fantastic. Um, so uh, first first question, um, dealing with conflict within your teams. So having the right team, but uh, there's always going to be a little bit of conflict for one reason or another. Um, how, how do you approach uh, if if there yeah. has been from that perspective really good question so if you've got the, the right processes or procedures in place everything should be detailed in there so i think the um the person asked it said like put the phone away or dress appropriately in the office i'm going to tell a little tale about dressing appropriately in the office when we first started um that nearly got me in a lot of trouble but first of all i would say if it's all detailed in your procedures and processes and somebody's gotten the phone out you can point to them you bring it up in the one-to-ones, but you've got to nip it in the bud straight away. If they're consistently bringing out the phone and it's happened to us, you say, great, phone's going a lot covered at the back. I'll then come back and say, well, what happens if somebody needs to get in touch with me? Well, one, they shouldn't. Two, ask them to phone the, the main phone. Because say there's five of you in the office, you've got five times more likely that somebody will pick up the phone and be able to put the message, the, the call through to you. If it's in your drawer, locked, there's only you can access it, then you're a fifth likely to pick it up. So trouble, trouble, if it troubles you. So think of the reasons and think of the issues, potential issues that that um, uh, that, that might be brought up and try and circumnavigate it straight away. Um, dress code is incredibly important. I think, you know, I know a lot of people, I mean, I'm wearing a hoodie now, I work from home, I know you're casual. Um, yeah. But in the office, you've got to look smart. 
Um, in fact, I won't tell you this this story because it is a little bit <laughs> it, 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 you know, it might split opinion. Um, but one things we had is we did have a lot of people who were weren't coming in and wearing appropriate dress sense. And effectively, we just brought it in and we said, you know, you will be asked to go home. It will be unpaid. It will go on your record and then we'll expect you to, to, to come back and make up the time. You've got to nip things in the bud straight away. That that example that I give um, probably about 20 minutes ago about the, the Harvard Business Review where people, 65% just give me better colleagues to work with. It's only until somebody leaves that the truth comes out about that person's full performance. And it's normally from the staff saying, oh, I'm glad John went. He was rubbish. And then you as a boss are saying, why didn't you blum and tell us like when they were here? Nobody wants to be that grass. Nobody wants to tell yeah. on the colleagues. Um, but so so therefore you're not going to hear as a manager or leader everything that's going on in the office. You might think you do, but you don't. You especially won't hear like that, you know, the, the dark conversations and the in the corner conversations. So make sure you treat everybody fairly. Some nobody can get in wearing crazy shoes and you tell somebody off for wearing crazy shoes. So it's, it's got to be fair, um, but also just have have a set standard. Have non-negotiables in your business. There, there's a tip. Have 10 things that you will not negotiate on with your team. Write them down. Make sure your team understand it and just manage it within an inch of its life. Having, there's nothing wrong with having tough conversations if you've got facts to back it up. And that, that's a, a bit of a, a theme with this. But whatever conversation you have, back it up with facts and evidence. Right. Um, got uh, a, a question from from Charlotte. Um, so you know, where you have an existing, you know, established business, um, but you haven't quite built out a culture uh, into. The, you know, there's no current culture within the business uh, to say so. Um, how would you? How would you? How would you um, support someone who wanted to introduce yeah. uh, culture into their team? And how would you? How can they do that in an inspiring way that hopefully will grab the team and bring them on as quickly as possible? Good question, Charlotte. So what I would do is you need to know what sort of a culture. And, and again, it's another theme that if you want to introduce something, you need to have a very, very good idea of what it is that you want to introduce. So for instance, if it is things like, you know, your team are leaving early, they've got the court on at five to five, or they're, they're rocking up at one minute past nine or whatever, you know, things like that, then you need to be absolutely strict on, on those types of issues. I think the values thing is a massive thing. So we have the values, we have a value statement, a mission statement, and we have a customer service charter. The customer service charter is effectively what we deem as good customer service in our business. Because I reckon, I think we've got what, nearly 100 people on here. If I asked everybody to write down what good customer service is, out of 100, I bet you we got 60 or 70 different answers. And there's no right or wrong, really. It's just your different perception of what customer service is. But by having this document detailed in your business, everybody now knows what is good customer service. So by introducing them in sort of a half-day training session and getting them to buy in and getting their questions and comments, and they feel as though it was their, their culture. So I'll give you an example. So when we did our um, Be Better slogan, my my background was martial arts. It was always, you've got to beat them. You've got to smash them in the, up and all that. Because if you didn't, you got hurt. I couldn't say that to my team because we, we, at the time, I think we're 90% women. I couldn't say smash them, kick them in the head, punch them. They'd be running for the hills. So what I said is, what, what are close to you? What values have you got? And it was all like, oh, well, we want to do our very best. And I'd be like, what, like Be Better? Yeah, yeah, great. So you'd write Be Better on a board. You can see where I'm going with this. You're almost using their words to come up with your yeah. phrase. Now they feel as though that's their values, which it is. You've just verbalized it and wrote it down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you put a big posters on the wall. Anything goes wrong. Somebody's got the court on at five to five. You point the poster and you say, how's that been better? You're right, John. You're absolutely right. True story. Phone call came in, couple of minutes to five, landlord with five houses, Friday afternoon. Our manager, who's no longer with us, turned around and said, oh, can you phone back tomorrow? I overheard it, told her how it would be better. She understood it. She spoke to him, um, but she, you know, we managed to out the business because her values weren't aligned with ours. So to answer Charlotte's question is that it's never too late to introduce a positive culture into your business just by making your team feel a part. If you impose something on somebody else, you're going to get kickback. If they feel as though they're a part of it, they're going to buy into it more and they're going to roll that out. They're going to be your advocates. Right. Uh, so one, one last question, conscious of time, um, uh, people have houses to sell and let as well. Uh, and uh, one, from, one from Greg, um, what, what else would you put on your list of non-negotiables? Sure <laughs> Thank you for that one, Greg. Yeah, yeah. So things like, you know, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. This is a good one, right? 
always communicate no matter what. That's a big one because 80% of our complaints are always about communication. We've probably done the work, but it's about communicating it. Um, you know, following the procedures under all circumstances, if you can get that in, that's a brilliant one. Because if anything goes wrong, 99 times out of 100, it's because somebody didn't follow the procedures or the processes. You know, have fun without damaging the brand. I think that's a good one um, because you want people to enjoy working there. Um, always going the extra mile. So it's it's whatever is important to you. Um, make them reasonable. You don't you don't want them so tough that it's going to be tough to 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 carry them to to uh, comply with them. Um, but also you want people to buy into it as well. Another good one, Greg, would be in that training session that I mentioned before. Talk about non-negotiables. I tell you, the All Blacks have got some good ones. Right, so they've got a brilliant one. They, um, the leadership skills. I love the All Blacks. There's a good book called The Jersey. There's a good book called um, I Forget What uh, Leg- uh, Legacy, and they talk about like um, sweeping the sheds, which basically means that no matter how big or small you are, you do you stay humble. Um, they've got one called No Moana, which means the tip of the spear, and effectively everybody's got to go towards like a spear towards um, uh, a final thing. They've got another one that basically says. No dickheads. <laughs> that's a, that's a really good one. Um, and I think because you you, you self police each other, so you make sure that you're all you know on the same hymn sheet. So there's some really good things off the net, and make sure that's off the internet, and just make sure that's that's what you buy into. Yeah, I, I like it. You're aligning it with this is not just about the business. This is about the team. So it's not let not let it not letting down each other. So it's not just about you know the, the business itself. So that's great. Well, look. Um, John, uh, thank you for today. Really appreciate you uh, taking part and helping along along the journey uh, on the topic for today. Um, thanks also for uh, offering. Uh, if anybody does want to reach out to John, I know, I know from here, from lots of other agencies, he's always he's, he's a great fella in terms of uh, always responding and uh, and, and helping out. Uh, so thank you for that. Also, uh, really appreciated. Thank you for today. Um, just before everyone goes, uh, just a, a little bit of update in terms of uh, what you'll receive from us after the. Um, after the webinar today. Um, so your CPD certificate will be on its way to you. It can take up to three, four weeks uh, in some cases. So please bear with us. Uh, but if you've registered for uh, today's webinar and, uh, and completed it, um, you will be getting that certificate. So uh, if you haven't had anything in the next three, four weeks, uh, please feel free to uh, contact us, but that should be on its way. Um, in addition to that, uh, you'll get an email from us today. Thank you for your time. Uh, a link to the webinar so you can uh, watch it again. You can share it maybe with your teams uh, or colleagues uh, or friends in other businesses if you feel uh, be valuable to them also um, in addition to that uh, we also released our uh, your guide to lettings and the law another hot topic uh, for quite a while now uh, that was released uh, our first edition for 2022 and we'll be sending you a link over to that as well so please feel free to share uh, and regarding our, our webinars uh, obviously if you've missed any of our previous webinars please feel free to visit goodlord.co uh, and uh, the huge resources there um, that might help you on a, a few other topics that you're thinking about within your business today. Uh, but beyond that, thank you all for your time today. Really appreciate it. Um, and we hope and look forward to seeing you again soon. All the best.